Chapter Thirty Four of Etiquette. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Robin Cotter, May two thousand seven. Etiquette in Society, in Business, in Politics, and at Home, by Emily Post. Chapter thirty four The Clothes of a Gentleman. It would seem that some of our great clothing establishments, with an eye to our polyglot ancestry, have attempted to incorporate some feature of every European national custom into a harmonious whole, and have thus given us that abiding horror, the freak American suit. You will see it everywhere, on Broadway of every city and Main Street of every town on the boardwalks and beaches of coast resorts, and even in remote farming villages. It comes up to hit you in the face, year after year, in all its amazing variations, waistline under the armpits, trick little belts, what-nots in the cuffs, trousers so narrow you fear they will burst before your eyes, pockets placed in every position, buttons clustered together in a tight little row, or reduced to one. And the worst of it is, few of our younger men know any better until they go abroad and find their wardrobe a subject for jest and derision. If you would dress like a gentleman, you must do one of two things. Either study the subject of a gentleman's wardrobe until you are competent to pick out good suits from freaks and direct your misguided tailor, or, at least until your perceptions are trained, go to an English one. This latter method is the easiest and, by all odds, the safest. It is not anglomania, but plain common sense, to admit that, just as the Rue de la Paix in Paris is the fountainhead of fashions for women, Bond Street in London is the home of irreproachable clothes for men. And yet, curiously enough, just as a woman shopping in Paris can buy frightful clothes, or the most beautiful, a man can in America by the worst clothes in the world, and the best. The ordinary run of English clothes may not be especially good, but they are, on the other hand, never bad. Whereas American freak clothes are distorted like the reflections seen in the convex and concave mirrors of the amusement parks. But not even the leading tailors of Bond Street can excel the supremely good American tailor, whose clothes, however, are identical in every particular with those of London, and their right to be called best is for greater perfection of workmanship and fit. This last is a dangerous phrase. Fit means perfect set and line, not plaster tightness. However, let us suppose that you are either young, or at least fairly young, that you have unquestioned social position and that you are going to get yourself an entire wardrobe. Let us also suppose your money is not unlimited, so that it may also be seen where you may not, or may, if necessary, economize. Formal Evening Clothes Your full dress is the last thing to economize on. It must be perfect in fit, cut, and material, and this means a first-rate tailor. It must be made of a dull-faced worsted, either black or night blue, on no account of broadcloth. Aside from satin facing and collar, which can have lapels or be cut shawl-shaped, 
and wide braid on the trousers, it must have no trimming whatever. Avoid satin or velvet cuffs, moire neck ribbons, and fancy coat buttons, as you would the plague. Wear a plain white linen waistcoat, not one of cream-colored silk, or figured, or even black brocade. Have all your linen faultlessly clean, always, and your tie of plain white lawn, tied so it will not only stay in place, but look as though nothing short of a backward somersault could disarrange it. Your handkerchief must be white, gloves, at opera or ball, white, flower in buttonhole, if any, white. If you are a normal size, you can in America buy inexpensive shirts and white waistcoats that are above reproach, but if you are abnormally tall, or otherwise an outsize, so that everything has to be made to order, you will have to pay anywhere from double to four times as much for each article you put on. When you go out on the street, wear an English silk hat, not one of the taper-crowned variety popular in the movies, and wear it on your head, not on the back of your neck. Have your overcoat of plain black or dark blue material, for you must wear an overcoat with full dress, even in summer. Use a plain white or black and white muffler. Colored ones are impossible. Wear white buckskin gloves if you can afford them, otherwise gray or khaki doeskin, and leave them in your overcoat pocket. Your stick should be of plain malacca or other wood, with either a crooked or straight handle. The only ornamentation allowable is a plain silver or gold band, or top, but perfectly plain is best form. And lastly, wear patent leather pumps, shoes or ties, and plain black silk socks, and leave your rubbers, if you must wear them, in the coat room. THE TUXEDO The tuxedo, which is the essential evening dress of a gentleman, is simply the English dinner coat. It was first introduced in this country at the Tuxedo Club to provide something less formal than the swallowtail, and the name has clung ever since. To a man who cannot afford to get two suits of evening clothes, the tuxedo is of greater importance. It is worn every evening, and nearly everywhere, whereas the tailcoat is necessary only at balls, formal dinners, and in a box at the opera. Tuxedo clothes are made of the same materials, and differ from full-dress ones in only three particulars. The cut of the coat, the braid of the trousers, and the use of a black tie instead of a white one. The dinner coat has no tails, and is cut like a sack suit, except that it is held closed in front by one button at the waistline. A full-dress coat naturally hangs open. The lapels are satin-faced, and the collar left in cloth, or if it is shawl-shaped, the whole collar is of satin. The trousers are identical with full-dress ones, except that braid, if used at all, should be narrowed. Cuffed trousers are not good form, nor should a dinner coat be double-breasted. Fancy ties are bad form. Choose a plain black silk or satin one. Wear a white waistcoat if you can afford the strain on your laundry bill, otherwise a plain black one. By no means wear a grey one, nor a grey tie. The smartest hat for town wear is an opera, but a straw or felt, which is proper in the country, is not out of place in town. Otherwise, in the street, 
The accessories are the same as those already given under the previous heading. THE HOUSE SUIT The house suit is an extravagance that may be avoided, and an old tuxedo suit worn instead. A gentleman is always supposed to change his clothes for dinner, whether he is going out or dining at home alone, or with his family, and for this latter occasion some inspired person evolved the house or lounge suit, which is simply a dinner coat and trousers cut somewhat looser than ordinary evening ones, made of an all-silk or silk-and-wool fabric in some dark color, and lined with either satin or silk. Nothing more comfortable or luxurious could be devised for sitting in a deep easy-chair after dinner, in a reclining position that is ruinous to best evening clothes. Its purpose is really to save wear on evening clothes, and to avoid some of their discomfort also, because they cannot be given hard or careless usage, and long survive. A house-suit is distinctly what the name implies, and is not an appropriate garment to wear out for dinner, or to receive any but intimate guests in at home. The accessories are a pleated shirt, with turned-down stiff collar and black bow-tie, or even an unstarched shirt with collar attached, white, of course. The coat is made with two buttons instead of one, because no waistcoat is worn with it. FORMAL AFTERNOON DRESS Formal afternoon dress consists of a black cutaway coat with white pique or black cloth waistcoat, and grey and black striped trousers. The coat may be bound with braid, or even, in better taste, plain. A satin-faced lapel is not conservative on a cutaway, but it is the correct facing for the more formal, and elderly, frock coat. Either a cutaway or a frock coat is always accompanied by a silk hat, and best worn with plain black waistcoat and a black bow-tie, or a black and white four-in-hand tie. A grey silk ascot worn with the frock coat is supposed to be the correct wedding garment of the bride's father. For details of clothes worn by groom and ushers at a wedding, see chapter on weddings. Shoes may be patent leather, although black calfskin are at present the fashion, either with or without spats. If, with spats, be sure that they fit close, nothing is worse than a wrinkled spat, or one that sticks out over the instep, like the opened bill of a duck. Though grey cutaway suits and grey top-hats have always been worn to the races in England, they do not seem suitable here, as races in America are not such full-dress occasions as in France and England. But at a spring wedding, or other formal occasions, a sand-coloured, double-breasted linen waistcoat, with spats and bow-tie to match, looks very well with a black cutaway, and almost black trousers, on a man who is young. THE BUSINESS SUIT The business suit, or three-piece sack, is made or marred by its cut alone. It is supposed to be an everyday inconspicuous garment, and should be. A few rules to follow are. Don't choose striking patterns of materials. Suitable woolen stuffs come in endless variety, and any which look plain at a short distance are safe, though they may show a mixture of colors or pattern when viewed closely. Don't get too light a blue, too bright a green, or anything suggesting a horse blanket. At the present moment trousers are made with a cuff, sleeves are not. 
Lapels are moderately small. Padded shoulders are an abomination. Peg-topped trousers equally bad. If you must be eccentric, save your efforts for the next fancy dress ball, where you may wear what you please, but in your business clothing be reasonable. Above everything, don't wear white socks, and don't cover yourself with chains, fobs, scarf-pins, lodge emblems, etc., and don't wear horsey shirts and neckties. You will only make a bad impression on everyone you meet. The clothes of a gentleman are always conservative, and it is safe to avoid everything that can possibly come under the heading of novelty. Jewelry In your jewelry let diamonds be conspicuous by their absence. Nothing is more vulgar than a display of ice on a man's shirt-front or on his fingers. There is a good deal of jewelry that a gentleman may be allowed to wear, but it must be chosen with discrimination. Pearl shirt-studs, real ones, are correct for full dress only, and not to be worn with a dinner-coat unless they are so small as to be entirely inconspicuous. Otherwise you may wear enamel studs that look like white linen or black onyx with a rim of platinum or with a very inconspicuous pattern in diamond chips, but so tiny that they cannot be told from a thread-like design in platinum or others equally moderate. Waistcoat buttons, studs and cufflinks, worn in sets, is an American custom that is permissible. Both waistcoat buttons and cufflinks may be jeweled and valuable, but they must not have big precious stones or be conspicuous. A watch chain should be very thin, and a man's ring is usually a seal ring of plain gold or a dark stone. If a man wears a jewel at all, it should be sunk into a plain gypsy hoop, setting that has no ornamentation, and worn on his little, not his third, finger. In the country. Gay-colored socks and ties are quite appropriate with flannels and golf tweeds. Only in your riding clothes you must be again conservative. If you can get boots built on English lines, wear them. Otherwise, wear leggings. And remember that all leather must be real leather in the first place, and polished until its surface is like glass. Have your breeches fit you. The coat is less important. In fact, any odd coat will do. Your legs are the cynosure of attention in riding. Most men in the country wear knickerbockers with golf stockings, with a sack, or a belted, or a semi-belted coat, and in any variety of homespuns, or tweeds, or rough worsted materials. Or they wear long trousered flannels. Coats are of the polo or ulster variety. For golf or tennis, many men wear sweater coats. Shirts are of cheviot, or silk, or flannel, all with soft collars attached and to match. The main thing is to dress appropriately. If you are going to play golf, wear golf clothes. If tennis, wear flannels. Do not wear a yachting cap ashore unless you are living on board a yacht. White woolen socks are correct with white buckskin shoes in the country, but not in town. If some semi-formal occasion comes up, such as a country tea, the time-worn conservative blue coat with white flannel trousers is perennially good. Other Hints The well-dressed man is always a paradox. He must look as though he gave his clothes no thought, and as though literally they grew on him like a dog's fur, and yet he must be perfectly groomed. 
he must be close-shaved and have his hair cut and his nails in good order, not too polished. His linen must always be immaculate, his clothes in press, his shoes perfectly done. His brown shoes must shine like old mahogany, and his white buckskin must be whitened and polished like a prize bull terrier at a bench show. Ties and socks and handkerchief may go together, but too perfect a match betrays an effort for effect, which is always bad. The well-dressed man never wears the same suit or the same pair of shoes two days running. He may have only two suits, but he wears them alternately. If he has four suits, then he should wear each every fourth day. The longer time they have to recover their shape, the better. What to wear on various occasions The appropriate clothes for various occasions are given below. If ever in doubt what to wear, the best rule is to err on the side of informality. Thus, if you are not sure whether to put on your dress suit or your tuxedo, wear the latter. Full dress 1. At the opera 2. At an evening wedding 3. At a dinner to which the invitations are worded in the third person 4. At a ball or formal evening entertainment 5. At certain state functions on the continent of Europe in broad daylight Tuxedo 1. At the theatre 2. At most dinners 3. At informal parties 4. Dining at home 5. Dining in a restaurant A cutaway or frock coat with striped trousers 1. At a noon or afternoon wedding 2. On Sunday for church in the city 3. At any formal daytime function 4. In England to business 5. As usher at a wedding 6. As pallbearer Business suits 1. All informal daytime occasions 2. Traveling 3. The coat of a blue suit with white flannel or duck trousers for a lunch or to church in the country 4. A blue or black sack suit will do in place of a cutaway at a wedding but not if you are the groom or an usher Country clothes 1. Only in the country To wear odd tweed coats and flannel trousers in town is not only inappropriate, but bad taste. End of chapter 34